You're listening to the Anchor Faith Church Message Podcast with our senior pastor, Earl Glisson. Enjoy the message. John chapter 16, verse 13. So I want to go back to the thought that I was carrying uh, before, you know, I got out of town. And um, that is that um, we were talking about some end times. How many of you finished the book that we uh, sowed into your life? Did you enjoy it? Huh? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty profound. I'm going to go through some of the highlights out of that book that I highlighted tonight. I told you I would do that, and I want to do that tonight. But look over here in John chapter 16, verse 13. It says it this way. Because, you know, we've said the end will come. But you understand the end brings a new, brings new. So when we say end, we're not talking about over. We're talking about next. <laughs> right? And ultimately, an end will bring new, and new will be forever. Hallelujah. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Right? He will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Isn't that an amazing statement? Can I take a side note real quick? And that is, here is the third person of the Godhead who will not offer his opinion. We are creating the image of God. God has a will. Are you with me? Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done when he was talking to the Father, which tells us when the Son was clothed in the flesh, he could have chosen differently, even though he's God. But he submitted to the Father. Here, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, who is the Spirit of truth, he will only disclose to you what he hears, which means when any situation takes place on planet Earth, he does not offer his opinion about it. He only tells you what heaven's saying. Isn't that awesome? Now, you ought to be excited about that. Why? Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Which means then, your new spirit man that's been created a new, brand new creature in Christ, right, that's alive unto God, now can hear the Holy Spirit. He bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God, but he does more than just bear witness. Most people, that's the only relationship they have with the Holy Ghost. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Because the Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am born again. I'm a child of God. But you know, he does more than just bear witness that you're a child of God. You know what else he does? He will recall things to come to your remembrance, Jesus said. And there's times you're going to need to know the word. That's why Jesus, when he was attacked by the devil, the Holy Spirit who had come upon him and then led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, the Holy Spirit caused the scripture to come to Jesus' remembrance, and he would say, it is, it's not because he had them memorized, it's because the Holy Ghost caused it to come to his remembrance, and he was able to speak that to the enemy. And we need to be in the word, studiers of the word, and then have faith that any situation we encounter in life, the Holy Ghost is going to cause to cause what Jesus has said according to his word to come to our remembrance so then we can just say what the king is saying from heaven. Then he'll teach you all things. More than just that, you know, you're a sinner and you need Jesus to, you know, 
Um, he died for you and his blood's been applied. And now when you die, you go to heaven. He has way more truths than that. Right? I said he has way more truths than that. And so, but in order for you to discover those truths, you're going to have to seek. The Holy Ghost is not going to say, now I'm going to make you go to class. No, he wants you to, he wants you to want to go to class. And when you do, you'll find. Amen. We are as far with God as we want to be. It's not God's fault. It's ours. If we do not have a revelation, it's not God's fault, okay? It'll be our fault. Now, that doesn't mean God hadn't revealed it yet. You can be seeking him, seeking him, seeking him, and it hadn't shown up yet. Sure, you can get in that situation, but most believers are in a position of where they know uh, because really they're just not seeking. But we've got, and that takes discipline. So not only is he going to guide you into all truth, which means this is the truth. See, he'll teach you all things, which means he'll teach you the things of God. But then he'll guide you in all truth. Truth just doesn't exist in the Word of God. I'm going to say that again. Truth does not just exist in the Word of God. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay? Okay, someone gave me um, a mint today. You're not going to find this in Scripture. Somebody in this sanctuary gave me a mint. Okay? And do you know the Holy Ghost knows who did? Which means, I'll give you a case in point, I could technically bring five people up here and they could all tell you a story of how they gave me the mint. And the Holy Ghost could tell you who was actually telling the truth because they were there. Now, why is that important? Because when you're watching the news... And they're telling you, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. Yet then the next news station says, yeah, but that's not happening, this, this. And then all of a sudden another expert, because they're all experts, you understand. See, the spirit of truth can say, what he just said there is right, what she just said there is right, what he just said there is manipulation and a lie. Don't listen to that one at all. See, again, we have this thought process about the Holy Ghost as if the only place he can show us truth is when we're in the Bible. <laughs> oh, man, the Holy Ghost has told my wife on more than one occasion what's been going on with our children. She'll be like, just tell me the truth. Because <laughs> it's going to be easier for you if you know. Come on, parents, hadn't you had one of those like, mm-hmm. You got that something, something on the inside because he's letting you know that ain't, that is not all there. See, he's revealing truth to you, right? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that I'm not, su I, I, I don't have to just take man's word for it, right? And the good news is we didn't have to do that just with the teaching of the Word, because the Holy Ghost will actually teach us and say, yeah, what that minister's saying is right, what that pastor's saying right, what that apostle's saying right, what that uh, prophetess is saying right. They can communicate. But if you don't know the Word yourself and you don't have a relationship with the Holy Ghost right, then you'll believe what anybody says, just like we're seeing people believe what everybody says. And you know the ones that are who's listening to who because you can tell by their behavior. I could almost, on probably nine times out of ten, tell you which news station somebody's listening to by their actions. Yeah. And I don't even need the Holy Ghost for that. 
Amen? No, let's be listeners to and be led by the Holy Spirit, right? But then he's going to do what this verse also says is that he's going to disclose things to come, which means he'll let you know something that's coming. And the world, <laughs> do you understand global warming is real in the sense that God's going to burn up the earth. So know that. You hear what I'm saying? Poverty is always going to happen in planet earth. I don't get behind people who say we're going to eradicate poverty. Because my king said, you'll always have the poor. So I can't get behind something that is not going to work. You act like you can do something God says ain't going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean I don't give to the poor, because the Bible says to give to the poor as he, as he leads as often as you like. But my giving to the poor is not to eradicate poverty. My giving to the poor is to introduce them to God. So that they can get, they can repent, change their thinking, and then they'll get out of poverty. Because there's a lot of wealthy people with poverty mindsets. All right? This is good. See, I'm on assignment tonight by my youth pastor, my children's pastor. They said, go long tonight. And then I have the headset mic back. Hallelujah. So, we could go five hours tonight. This is amazing. I'm so excited. Anyway, um, the Holy Ghost is there to teach us and show us things to come. So again, when someone says global warming, I can say that's true according to Scripture, but I don't think it's going to go down the way you think it is. And you're not going to stop planet Earth from being destroyed. No deal is going to change it. Because they're, they're, stop, they're not even addressing the thing that's bringing death into the earth in the first place. Right. See, emissions, I, and I have no problem with, you know, changing the environment, doing things. I have no problem with that. What I'm saying, though, is even if you do all that, you're still going to have a problem in planet earth because sin is in it. And sin is destroying planet earth. It's groaning, waiting for its Redemption. Hallelujah. But unfortunately, because we typically don't take time to understand end times. I just had a conversation today with someone that says, you're a preacher, right? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about all this stuff going on? You think, you know, this has to do something with the end times? And I was like, yep, has something to do with end times. Because end time started on the day of Pentecost. Anything happening on planet Earth today is something happening about end times. The minute Pentecost happened, end times started. The last days. The question is, are we at a place that it's a lot quicker? Well, sure we are. We are the furthest in time. And if any generation ought to be expecting the trumpet to sound, and Jesus to catch up his church, it ought to be us. But the reality is, is because we tend to not take the time year after year and, and with an earnest desire to understand God's word rightly divided, we don't stay in context. I was uh, talking about reading the Bible when I was at Raymond again, <laughs> and um, um, Josh was working our table, and he was sitting by someone, and he goes, do you read the Bible? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm in it all the time. I mean, like from Genesis to Revelation, do you do that? Every year. Well, I mean, I'm in it. See, that's a problem. See, you can get in a book and start seeing things in the book that the book's not saying because you don't keep context. You just don't do it. It's imperative you go cover to cover every year. I'm just telling you right now, it's imperative. Now, you can live a life and love God without doing that. Don't get me wrong. And God can bless you. Don't get me wrong. But you'll never rise to the potential of who you are in Christ until you start doing that. Because then God will begin to really reveal context. We are in a new and better covenant. Don't get me wrong. But there are things in the old covenant that has been spoken to us so that we understand how this new covenant operates. And if we miss that, but it has to do more than that. It has to do with, do you understand Genesis 1 and 2 was uh, uh, walking in a way before an old covenant even need to happen. There was no need for an old covenant in Genesis 1 and 2. So if you don't get into 1 and 2 to understand the purpose of man in the first place, then everything else is going to be off it from there on. And the majority of us are, you know, basically taking this kind of thought. Well, the reality is, is it'll work itself out at the end. I don't really worry about the end times. I don't really worry about that because God's going to take us back. And when we take that attitude, then there may be things that we're doing in the earth right now that can be a hindrance. Are y'all with me tonight? Okay. So let me give you one of the quotes that I have out of the book that I asked y'all to read. And um, so I'm encouraged that you did so. Um, now, I have electronic copy, so I cannot tell you what literal page that was on, all right? So I won't. I'm just going to start running some of the highlights. See, here's the thing that happened one time. Um, I, I put our staff uh, in books. I've done this for 16 years because I know I can speak into their lives, but I can accelerate growth if we actually go through books. Now, I just don't pick any book because some books are garbage, right? Um, uh, so I, try, I want to be led by the Spirit in what books we are. And I've seen a book on a shelf that I've had for years that, you know what, I could have read. I could have disciplined myself to read but, I, read, but I did not. You know, I was pushing with vision. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost says, pick that one up. And I picked it up, and it happened to be what we needed in that moment at that time. Had I picked it up earlier, it wouldn't have had the same impact. Okay. So you need to be just as strategic when you're reading other material than the Bible because any other book than the Bible is a vitamin. It's what we call supplement. See, if you, read, if you are this lover of book reading and you're reading after all of these authors that are ministers, but you're not in the Word yourself, they can bend you anyway. And you'll talk about it like it's gospel. What we do is we stay in the Word of God, and I do seasons of book reading, meaning some years we just read the Bible. We read the Bible every year, don't get me wrong, and we talk about it every year. But I'm saying I don't offer any other book. But then at other times, I drop, start dropping books in, not only for our paid staff, but you know for our uh, ministry coordinator level, those that are a part of us, but the church itself doesn't actually you know, have them on the payroll. Because why? I expect you to grow. Because God expects you to grow. We say this often here, if you can't continue to grow as the ministry goes, we'll be forced to replace you. It's nothing personal. But the vision must go on. 
Now, I understand that can sound callous, but it sounds like Jesus. He said, no way my Jesus would say that. Really? He said, Peter? When Peter said, you're not going to die, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. You set your mind on the interests of man and not the interests of God. He preaches a message about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and the disciples go to leave. He turns to his 12. He says, you're going to go too. He didn't say, oh, please don't go. Oh, guys, please stay here. Oh, please stay with me. Oh, I didn't mean to run you off. I didn't mean to say that. I'll say something different. I'll, I'll, uh, you're, you're, you're awesome. You're great. You're going to make it. Please don't listen to that sermon. Just act like I didn't say it. No, he said, I come to do the will of my Father. I have a purpose, and that purpose is a vision. If you don't stay connected with the vision that God's given me, I'm going to keep going. Hallelujah. There's a lot to learn about King Jesus. <laughs> All right. So here's one of the quotes that I picked up. It is in the first chapter, if I'm not mistaken. It could be in the, uh, no, I think it's in the, yes, yeah, in the preface. It says this, God has been, is, and will be utterly faithful to inform us about things we need to know to live victoriously in these last seasons of this age. Don't you know that? He has been faithful he has been, he is, and he will. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I don't care how bad planet Earth gets. God is faithful to his own. Amen? So when I have my staff read these books, then we go through things. Sometimes people want to hear, what have they read? What are y'all reading? Because they get this idea, not through equipping, but through education alone, is that if I read the books you read, then I'll know what you know. But you may not be going through the book like we're going through it and looking at things like we're looking at. And dealing with the book through the lens of things we're dealing with. So make no mistake about it. Don't think you can just pick up a book somebody else has read and you know what they know and you can operate like they operate. In fact, uh, the Holy Spirit literally challenged Pastor Daryl Huffman on this once one day when he got on the plane to go to Tulsa and he was reading The Believer's Authority written by Kenneth E. Hagan, his spiritual father. And as he was reading it for the umpteenth time, the Lord said to him, do you think you can operate in the same authority this man operated in just because you read his book? He said, what was that, Lord? He said, do you think that you can operate in the same authority that this man operated in because he had all kinds of testimonies of the authority of God in his life just because you read his book. And obviously he was able to conclude, Lord, no. I can have access to his testimony, but until I work the word myself and have those victories myself, I just have knowledge it works, although I've not experienced it, through the working of my own personal faith. But the world has done such a good job, especially in the United States, that education is just you getting information. And the more information you have, the smarter you are. In essence, we've developed a bunch of Alex Trebek's. <laughs> trivia people. Have you ever been around trivia people? They like know everything. I'm like, dude, you're so smart. But they may have not applied anything. They may be an emotional mess. They may be bankrupt. They could be spiritually lost, but have all kind of knowledge like a computer and yet going to die and be eternally separated from God. So what good was all their information? They've been divorced five or six times. Come on, y'all with me? 
So we want to grow because we want the Spirit of God to teach us. And this is how it should be with us in the end times. Because you understand, the end times is not, really, it's not a great mystery. It's not. Well, I've read Revelation, have you? I've read it, studied it. And you know what? It's not about the devil. <laughs> it's about Jesus. In fact, the tribulation period is one of the, big, the greatest mercy moments of God. Even though his wrath is being poured out. It's one of his greatest mercy moments. Now you say, well, how could that be? Okay, let's conclude. If your life is as miserable as it can be, I mean, it's horrible. Yet, if you'll call on Jesus, although you get your head cut off for following him, at least you'll live with him for eternity. Amen. And no matter how much torture you're doing in this time period of three and a half years, because the first three and a half years is going to be peace. And that last three and a half years, no matter how torturous it is, is nothing compared to hell. Let me tell you this. This should be shocking. Some of the worst criminals ever on the planet. In fact, um, what was the guy that did the murders in Gainesville? You remember his name, Mom? No, no, not Bundy. The other guy. Is it Dahmer? What was his name? Jeffrey Dahmer. Now, the reason I bring him up is because he killed one of my friends. A girl um, who was graduated the year after I did. She was one of the victims. Okay? He killed multiple UF students. All right? And, um, and as a result of that, you know, he's dead today. Right? But let me tell you something. He wishes he could go back. Let me say it this way. If one of his victims did not know Jesus, they wish they could go back in the moment that they're actually being tortured to call on Jesus. Any Jewish person that died during the Holocaust, as horrific as that is, if they did not have a relationship with Jesus and knew he was the way, they would love to be back in those camps. I mean, have you read about the lake of fire? So again, for us, we tend to think this is horrible. This is not. Jesus said, don't even be concerned about a man who could kill you. What you want to be concerned about is the one who can sentence you to the lake of fire. And that torture never ends. You would beg to get back in your flesh and be tortured. For the opportunity to say, Jesus, I believe. Yes. You understand? It's a perspective. So when we get into this tribulation period, God, even though he's pouring out his wrath based upon Israel and that part of the world primarily, okay, even though that's happening, it's for them to say, do you really want to exist without me? In essence, humanity gets a brief moment of what it's like to live in an environment without God and his church on the earth holding back principalities and powers. And the devil have free reign. No check. Because right now he has a check. It's called the church. Now, if you're not exercising your right, you're allowing him to run amok. 
because he has no authority over us. And we can help slow down him and all the things he's doing. Now, he's going to advance stuff. Don't get me wrong. There are things going to happen. I'm just saying that even in that tribulation period, it's God's greatest mercy. All right, y'all with me? Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at this again, the Passion Translation. All right? The Passion Translation says it this way. Later, later, excuse me, later, when they arrived at the Mount of Olives, his disciples came privately to him where he was sitting and said, tell us uh, when these things will happen uh, and what supernatural sign should we expect to signal your coming and the completion of this age? Jesus answered at the at, uh, the, at that time, deception will run rampant. Beware that you are not fooled, for many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying uh, about themselves, I am God's anointed, and they will lead many astray. This is why I repeatedly say, repeatedly say, repeatedly say, repeatedly say, and I'll continue to say it. You are not obligated to believe anything I'm saying because I say it. You are to search the Scripture yourself. This is why I encourage you every year, get in the Bible, read it. Read it. Man, if you come across something, you're like, Pastor, man, I just don't see that. Come meet with us. Let's have a conversation. Let's go through the Word together because I'm going to submit to it. And when we cultivate this environment, we actually can we cultivate the environment where the Spirit of truth has free reign. Okay? Understand that. But many will not do that. Many will try to keep you out of the book so they can tell you what the book is. Verse 6, and you'll hear of wars uh, nearby and revolutions on every side with uh, more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or to give in, uh, in to your fears for the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen. But, you don't, uh, but it won't yet be the end. Uh, it is still, uh, will still be unfolding. Nations will go to war against nations, uh, against each other and kingdoms against uh, kingdoms, and there will be a terrible earthquake, seismic uh, events of epic proportion, horrible ec uh, epidemics, uh, or we could say pandemics, right, and famines in place after place. Now, you know when it says nation against nation, if you've read the book, that's tribal. That's not necessarily the United States against China, although there's going to be those kind of conflicts, right? But it would be within, nation, within a nation of people that come from different places, and that's why the United States is going to have these kind of problems, because we are a nation that has, has um, you know, opened itself up to people coming here through immigration and basically being where, you know, basically all of us are, can go back to some other land. Now, the problem is we don't go far enough back just to let you know. And I want to say that again because I think it's very important. You know, I was, uh, I'm doing a, a virtual conference uh, to a church in, in, at, with a network called Liberty International Network, Apostle Darlin Turner. How many remember her when she came and did uh, uh, her, that organization that she's over? I am the only guy that is as, as, as pale as I am that's preaching. They're in the inner city of Chicago. Okay? And she's asked me. She says, listen, man... She goes, now, the other church we have in California, and there's another one in Florida, you know, uh, it's, it's multiracial, multiethnic, you know, it's not a problem. But right here in the heart of Chicago, that's a problem. She said, because not a lot of people coming into the heart of Chicago. So it's kind of one-sided, the congregation. And it is the largest congregation that they have as a church that she oversees. 
okay? She says, now, the thing is, is I just can't bring anybody in because you can't put anybody in your pulpit, even though you desire for someone to be different. Are you with me? So we had this conversation, me and her, and we talked a little bit about race and things that were going on in the world. It was great. Unfortunately, this is a closed conference to her network. My point is, though, is that her and I can have conversations openly and easy because we know that we're not limited to lands overseas that migrated from the Garden of Eden. That if we're going to trace our ancestors back, let's go all the way. Let's don't stop to the ones that were living in an area before they came here. Go ahead and find out where, how they got there. And if you keep going back, it's going to hit Noah. <laughs> and then if we, we have Noah's record, we can go on back from there, and we're going to hit Adam. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So since you're going back, even in the natural, we're still one. Right? But under the blood. I said under the blood. Okay? But these things shouldn't move you. And honestly, you shouldn't be mad about it. You shouldn't get mad about it. What you should do is say, how can we, through the word, help liberate people? How do we do that? Because you understand, if every person applies the principle of God, every issue known to man is eliminated. It is the answer. And I, listen, I get just as aggravated as anyone else because you understand there's information I don't know about because they're just not taught. And that's kind of frustrating. But it fuels. Why? Because. Let me tell you, say this. Every place in the world since Adam fell, sin prevails because that's man's nature. You have to actually investigate where people were turned to God, and that's a minority, but they've always been in the earth. They've always been in the earth. I said they've always been in the earth. So no matter how many things you hear about people trying to divide, separate, break apart, you know, put people down, kill people, whatever it is, they're like, I can't believe this. There is a group that you, you just don't hear about that's trying to join, unite, love, serve, care for, change the way laws are so that it, it models what Christ does. They're out there. It's just you won't hear about them. You're just not going to hear about it, but it exists. So when we say we have these major issues in our earth, true. But we also have church after church after church that is actually, all you got to do is look around here. We're pretty doggone successful. All they got to do is come in here and say, how, how do you get... The congregation looked like this. You're going to have to have the word. I had someone ask me today, my wife and I went to an appointment that said, what's the secret to your success in marriage? I said, I'm going to have to tell you, honestly, number one, we are people of the word of God. Because again, if you're not going to do it God's way in marriage, you're not going to have success. Bottom line, that's the answer. Are you with me? Okay. So even though all this is going on and we'll hear it more and more and it increased, know this, there is 
a group of people that are actually doing what's necessary to promote change. That's happening right now on planet Earth. There are groups of individuals or uh, there are groups of ministries and, 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 and organized groups that are trying to stop racism, trying to stop, you know, injustice, trying to stop. They've been doing it for years. Been doing it for years. The problem is the world don't want to renew itself to God's way of doing. And sin exists in their life. And as long as those individuals don't rightly divide the word of truth if they are born again or they're lost, then guess what? Issues and division are always going to happen. But in the last days, there will be an increase. All right, let's go on. It says uh, this is how... Um, the first contraction of birth pains of the new age will begin. You can expect to be persecuted, even killed, for you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. Right? Now, before I go further, if we read another translation, it, say, it talks about how this whole thing of these end times, the last days, are, are likened to a pregnancy. Okay? And again, this is very important because, <coughs> honestly, you know, I'm not a big fan, you know, when I hear a believer start saying, you know, but this has been going on for a while. And that like, you know, well, you know, back in World War I, they were believing. And back, you know, Jerusalem actually thought with Rome, that was it. And they always go back to these points in time. But the reality is we can't negate what the Word literally says. It says it's like giving birth. And I'm going to tell you right now, there comes a time that I know that it's time to have a baby. Are you with me? Which means there will be a generation, should they yield to the Spirit of God, they're going to know, man. Because the Bible clearly says we don't know the day or hour. Didn't say we didn't know the season. Didn't say we wouldn't know the time. Didn't say we wouldn't see the signs. Listen, you don't know whether it's tomorrow at 5.23 p.m. No more than I do. Because there will be a literal day with a literal time on clocks when the trumpet blows. And we are changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Somebody being a mark a clock with it and say, that was the day and the hour. Now, we don't know that. But you understand, when birth pains increase, we're like, we know. Now, the problem is, is if you keep sitting back and like, uh, I'm not going to worry, that's the problem. The reason that's the problem is because that just means you really kind of want to do fleshly things and not really serious about your relationship or the assignment you actually have. Because you understand, I began to move stuff when my wife was pregnant, when my daughter was pregnant, when my uh, daughter-in-laws were pregnant, all of a sudden, I'm just moving along with ministry, man. We're doing this thing. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> hold on. As I told you, um, you know, this past time with Brianna, we knew she any day now, right? Any day now. And when she went past due date, she says, I'm going to pick the date. You're going to induce me. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, my my uh, uh, oldest daughter-in-law, she does a C-section, so we get to know that one too. That's pretty. But we know the day. We just don't know the hour because there's a little time frame there, and then they kind of let stuff, and sometimes that can get delayed. 
right? But the reality is, is that all of a sudden I'll shift. And I'm, the first time Brianna had her first baby, I was like, we're going to believe God get this baby in at the end of March because I got this meeting with Rama and Branson. I'm so excited to go. Never been to it before. Come on, let's believe God. Let's get in agreement. Get in agreement. We were in agreement, but the baby didn't want to hear none of it. So it just keeps going, just keep And then, you know, she says, she said, Dad, you can go. Because she understands the purpose of my life is very important to me. But I'm like, Brianna, there is no way I'm not going to be here for your first child, period. It's just not going to happen. And I said, and if I showed up there, that whole group would probably stone me and tell me to go home, right? <laughs> they think, you have misplaced priorities right now. Anyway, the day I was supposed to be there in Branson was the day she had the baby. So I didn't make it. Here's the thing. I started adjusting what? I didn't know the day or the hour, but I knew my plans are now subject. See, you'll live different when you understand the birth pains of the end. Wait a minute. I'm not thinking about this vacation next year like that. I'm not thinking about buying this, that, and retiring like that. No, no. Something else is happening. I can't think like the people did at the turn of the 19th, you know, 20th century because we living in a different season, which means I got to think different. Holy Ghost, you know, and you put me in the planet to do something. Hallelujah. But, you know, if you're like, well, it's like any other generation. It's probably not going to be ours. Everybody's been saying that. Well, I could have said that to bring, oh, Brandy, you've been saying for nine months you're going to have a child. Dad, can't you see it? Yeah. Luna had the greatest thing on the last baby, though. So awesome. She's one of my granddaughters, right? She's so quick-witted. So with Caius, you know, Brianna was standing there, and her belly button, you know, became an Audi. And as a result of that, Luna goes, oh, I see. There's your baby. I see it snows. Isn't that amazing? So Caius the whole time had his face like this. <laughs> right? Now, again, you would think I'm silly if I was like, yeah, you've been pregnant. I mean, you already had one baby. So when pastor calls me to come do camp meeting, I'm like, well, my daughter's in the hospital right now, fixing to get birth. He goes, how come your daughter, your, your children are always having a, uh, uh, a baby around our events, right? I said, she's going today. We know the day now. We didn't, but we know now. I just don't know the hour, all right? And we didn't know the hour. We were believing God before lunch, and she had him before lunch, but we didn't know that. Are you with me? My point is, is that everything in my life adjusted. God tells us that there'll come a time, because he said, tell me the signs. He said, listen, all these are going to happen. Don't be worried. It's not the end. But when these things start to happen, when the birth pains, when it starts, because we all, ladies, those who have been pregnant, you know, you know when that, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. It'll go right? You get that little thing all calm, right? Uh, when you go, oh, what is that? Yeah. You know, and then water may follow. All kind of stuff starts taking place. And you're like, we, we own. Nah, sit down. I, three weeks ago, you did, uh, sit down. I'm not done with this TV. We're in the middle of a movie. Are you hear what I'm saying? I mean, we still don't know. Some women go in labor for 36 hours. You can go to the hospital and that thing slows down and you're like, we're watching this movie. Oh, and she's like, what are you serious? We're here at our vacation. We're here at Disney World and you're acting like you're going to have a baby. This can't be happening right now. Everything changes, right? 
And that's how we've got to be able to respond in these end times, understand when it is, so that we say, wait a minute, my life has to change now. More importantly, I'm quit playing around with the world. All right, we'll see that here in a second. Verse 8, this is how uh, first contractions come. Uh, birth pains of the new age will uh, begin, and you can expect to be persecuted, killed. You'll be hated by all nations because of your love for me. Then many will stop following me and fall away. They'll betray one another and hate one another. Many lying prophets arise, deceiving multitudes, leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose heart once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. I mean, we've got people now that have, you know, wrote worship songs and all kind of stuff, get out there on their little Facebook and Twitter and say, you know what, I've come to this revelation. God doesn't exist. I just must be honest now. You're honestly carnal. You're honestly in the flesh. You honestly are not, you know, uh, studying the word. You honestly are a liar. Because seriously, I'm going to say, I've been waiting for that. I've just been waiting for this worship guy to tell me God wasn't real. Wow. That's revelation. Yet many won't come into the kingdom because of that now. But keep your hope to the end, and you will experience life and deliverance. Yet, uh, through it all, this joyful, ooh, I like that word, this joyful assurance of the, of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing uh, every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after this, the end of this age will come. All right, back to my highlights. Let me run over a few for you. I pulled a few out. And I'm just going to kind of go through and think, just do a couple talking points, all right? Remember that God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. Living in fear is not God's plan for your life. And it is not the right response to the challenges that lie before us. Never forget that God chooses you for such a time as this. He didn't make a mistake and put you in the planet. Shh, I can't believe I put you in here. I meant to put Paul. Oh, God. He didn't do that. Ah, Esther was supposed to come now. Oh, wow. We blew it, guys. This whole generation is going to botch the whole thing. No. Amidst these uh, turbulent times, my uh, mind goes to Romans 8, 37, which states, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Come on, do you believe that? Do you believe you're a conqueror? Yeah. He said this, you will see that every era throughout human history has had a documented beginning and end. And the period in which we live is no different. It had an official beginning, and it will have an official close. But it isn't over. When he says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to every nation, then the end will come. That means the end of the age will come. This age will come. That doesn't mean that we will live in heaven forever. The Bible does not teach that at all. We will go to heaven, but we will come back. We'll return. Okay. The phrase end of the world in this verse doesn't uh, refer to the termination of the world. The word world here is translated from the Greek word, which refers to an age. You understand planet Earth will not ever cease to exist. Yet, through many's religion of Jesus, they think planet Earth is non-existence. 
But the Bible does not say that. According to Jesus, these last days, contra uh, contradictions will begin slowly at first, just like the early stages of labor for a pregnant woman. Then these events will occur closer and closer together, like birth pains, until they uh, will seem like they're happening rapid fire one after another. So aren't you glad God said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear? Because for you generations, since you're in the last days, when you get into that last of the last days, and it's all like going bam, 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 you're going to be able to say, that's all right, because God's in me. He said, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to show us things to come so that we'll know what to expect as we move forward in time. Armed with knowledge, we can protect ourselves, our families, and our loved ones from the destructive trends that will be associated with the closing days. And we can resolve to stand strong and do the will of God, shining as lights in the darkness that will certainly increase just before Jesus returns. Did you underline that one? That was a good one. He said... Um, one of my, uh, another one of my outlines was, as the moral descent continues, it is likely that the tide will increasingly turn against Christians who have resolved to stand by the absolute principles contained in God's word. But these believers will be, but these believers will be his glorious ones through whom the spirit of God will arise in power to bring many to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ before it is too late. Listen, if you want to be a part of where people actually turn to God, then you better settle it right now. His word is absolute truth. His word's the only truth. His word's forever settled in heaven. I will not recant. I will not come off. Whatever his word says, I believe it. That's it. Done. I will not believe man. I will not. I don't care how many expert degrees they have. Right? You know the joke that the Lord said, the scientists, all the experts came to him and says, we can make, uh, we don't need you anymore. We can create without you, you know? And so they brought some dirt to make a uh, man, and he says, you get your own dirt. I mean, are we impressed with cloning? They had something. Out of nothing, God did. I don't know why we get so impressed. I mean, cars, wow, rockets, they're so impressive. All that stuff was on the planet. They had to use what God already brought. All right. Equipped by the Word and by the Holy Spirit, this Spirit-empowered body of believers will declare Christ's message and fulfill His commission to win souls, disciple believers, heal the sick, deliver those who are bound for this faithful remnant. That is their greatest hour to shine. Let me just tell you something. Don't, don't, don't do what Elijah did. I'm the only one out here. Don't do that because you're not. But know this. It ain't like you're going to be hearing about everybody else that's like you. Because the devil's going to do a good job to make you think you're the only one. You're the only one standing, the only one believing. Everybody else is already compromised. But that's when you say, that's all right. I'm going to continue to stand. When I've done all to stand, stand. When I've done all to stand, stand. Hallelujah. His word cannot fail. Amen? All right. I'm glad you're with me. Another one I did, I said this, um, we are more than a mass for anything we'll face in these last days, he put in the book. With the word of God in our hearts and the Holy Spirit's power working in us, we are supernaturally equipped for any circumstance that tries to rise against us. So that tells me you're going to have to teach yourself 
to get out of the thought process of, well, his will, not my will be done. Well, you better go find his will. Because when you find his will, you'll have confidence to go before the throne of grace. He tells us to be confident, not, man, I don't know, Lord, whatever you want to do. Right? Jesus said, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. They're not even trying to seek me. If they'll seek me, they'll find me. I mean, he can't tell you to seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and it'll be given to you. And then say, bro, I know you're standing here, but really it was all just a farce. It's like smoke screen. Come on, which cups it in? Because you don't know my will. No, he wants you to know his will. If he wants you to know that you can be born again, he wants you to know all the promises. And we don't have to doubt that going in. The minute he reveals it, then you can stand. This is why Paul was able to get off a ship that's in shipwreck mode that he already told them. Gentlemen, I perceive that if we get on a ship, it's not good because he had the Holy Ghost. Well, he was a prisoner, so he got on the ship because he really couldn't do anything different. Now that he's on the ship, he's praying. And he's saying, now, Lord, you said I'd stand before Caesar. I can't die out here. And if you'll hear what the angel said to him, the angel says, the Lord has heard you, and yes, you will stand before Caesar, because he was quoting what God had already told him he would do. He was making a demand. I can't, he didn't go, well, Lord, if it's your will for me to die out here in the water. Come on. He did not pray that. He knew God said this. I cannot die here, period. And because he knew that, he kept saying, I can't die here. Then he went beyond himself. Because see, when you, know your own, when you know the will of God for your life, you'll finally get past you. He said, now these other 275 people that are on the ship with me, which makes me 276, I tried to warn them and their leaders brought them out here. But I'm beseeching you and asking you to save their lives as well. And the angel says, yes, you are correct. You're going to stand before Caesar and God has granted your request to save everybody else. But there was conditions to be saved. Oh, shalabasatarabakite. Yeah, I know. I, I can't. Um, there were conditions to be saved. It isn't just because God said he granted you 276, so they're guaranteed to live. Paul was like, unless these men stay with the ship, I cannot guarantee their lives. Woo, that's bold. You stay with the ship, I guarantee it. You leave, you take in your own life in your hands. And you're out of the covering of the word. Right. You stayed under the word, I can guarantee some things. Hey, All right, y'all with me? Which tells us if God's telling us about the last days, then we don't have to be, oh, I'm so scared of what's happening. Right? We don't have to do that. Right? Did you see what they said on Fox? Did you see what they said on CNN? Did you see what they said at the mayor's office? Did you see what the police were doing? Amen. I'm not trying to demean, I'm just. In perspective to God, it's like, no problem. We knew this was coming. Because, see, when you know something's coming, then you can actually pray about something coming to try to thwart something from happening. Begin to declare about things happening so that when they happen, you'll be like, man, you and you don't even have to be a prophet for that. You can say, look, it, you think this pandemic's bad? There's going to be worse ones. What? I'm telling you right now, they're coming. Oh, are you a prophet? The Word says it. You know what? There's going to be more fighting. Right? Oh, you must be a prophet. I read the Bible. 
You can seem prophetic if you just read the Bible. Instead of pathetic. <laughs> right. right. We should call some of those prophets pathetic instead. I'm prophet at so-and-so. No, you pathetic at so-and-so. Hallelujah. See, the spirit of the world is working for, uh, furiously to eliminate all remnants of a godly foundation from society to replace it with the last day's deception that will ultimately usher in a time when the Antichrist rules a lost world for a temporary period of time. This is why, again, I knew by the Spirit, the Holy Ghost told me. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Now, I knew by the Spirit that our president was not mad at the church, that our vice president hated Jesus. That wasn't their intent. But based upon the information they had, they were doing what they thought they could, and they knew that there was a group of people out there that would probably listen. But my president did not die for me. And he's not the final say in my life. And if this president is favorable to the church, and legislatively speaking, he has been, doesn't mean another president won't show up. That's not. And so now, President Trump told the church to shut down. I'm telling you to shut down. California, the governor has shut them down. They can't even sing. They have people showing up at their places to make sure they don't sing and get past there. They can't. They just passed again. Is that You can't even have a Bible study at home. This is in the U.S.? You know what people were saying when this first came out? Christians, right? This ain't against the church, guys. There are individuals that are not against the church, but make no mistake about it, the devil will run this thing through with those who are. So you know what we had to do? We had to stand based upon the Spirit. Well, did we get persecuted? Yeah, I mean, we had, we had phenomenal writings, <laughs> great testimonies, right? Death threats. Yeah. Hope we all die because you can only get infected if you come to Anger Faith Church, you understand? You cannot go to Walmart. Can't happen there. But here you can. <laughs> you can go to Walmart every day and can't, you can come here twice a week, and you're going to die. <laughs> right? No, you got to stand. And let me tell you something. It did get easier for us. Why? Because we had a governor that sided with a church being essential. But if we had not, So, yeah, and you're like, well, that's good, good news. You know, they sided with you. You're, you're, you're all right. I was always all right. The majority of the nations have persecution. And this little bit for the church has shaken it to its core in many locations. Many denominations have shut down. 
I talked to Pastor Ramon in uh, Anchor Faith Church in uh, Managua, <clears throat> told him the good news about, you know, um, planning a Rama uh, school there and those things working in that way. I said, how's everything going? He was telling me, he said, you know, our lowest attendance was three, me, my wife, and my associate. He said, but we're seeing people come back in. He said, we never shut down. He said, but all the denominational churches shut down and they're on Christian radio telling everybody to shut down. I mean, how big's your God? Now, again, you would say, now, Pastor Earl, that's being really rude to those. I'm telling you, some need to shut down because if you don't understand the power of God, it'd be better for you to shut down. And I don't disagree. God may have told some people to shut down. Because if you don't know your authority, then it's better to not be there. Now, I'm not blanketing that with everyone, so don't run out of here and tell, oh, Pastor Earl believes every church is shut down. They don't know their authority. I did not say that. They got to be led by, I'm not responsible for those churches. They're not my deal. But this is our deal because he made me an overseer here, and I stuck with it. Amen. And we've been able to assemble. Because I can tell you right now, when you're out of the Word, you quit hearing, and you're backsliding. Make no mistake about it, the church as a whole has backslidden because you cannot stay strong outside the body of Christ. And remember, when Jesus returns and blows the trumpet, boop, 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 right? I don't know what it's going to sound like, but that was Right? When he blows that trumpet... He's not coming back for the lost. What would cause a believer to wax cold? I mean, we've seen it falling left and right. People that were like, well, you know, they're, they're too word of faith. They're too, too much authority. You know? Well, it's because you're not really believing God. I mean, you can say, oh, I believe, but not believe. You know what it's like to say, I'm doing good, but you're lying. But you know what it's like to be firmly persuaded about an action. Okay? All right. Paul inferred that these last day orators would substitute authentic teaching of the Bible for an emphasis that is not biblical. The demands of those fanciful messages will produce newly fashioned teachers with restyled messages. According to Jesus, the deception will occur or affect every part of society. It will spread across the globe like a growing cancer. According to 1 Timothy 4.1 and 2 Timothy 4.3 and 4, Paul alerted us that even the church will be affected by this spirit of deceptive and delusion, warning us that we must stick with the clear teaching of Scripture and strengthen ourselves in the Word of God. One of the greatest deceptions already going through is like, God gave you a brain. Yeah, he did, to be renewed to the Word of God. So if you don't have a renewed mind, don't use it. Because it'll lead you astray every time. Right? What did the Lord say? And we know this. We had coffee mugs. We have t-shirts. We have tapestry. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, lean, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. But listen, these people are experts, man. They know what they're doing. They're doing the test. But the Holy Ghost said. Literally tells us, don't follow your thinking. 
but it preaches good. Oh, hallelujah. I was waiting for someone to run right there. The, the, the changes taking place in the world in the closing days will result in one of two choices for every believer. A decision to accommodate the world or a refusal to compromise. Riding the fence will no longer be an option. You know, I had this revelation today. Um, I say not today. It's not today, but <clears throat> you understand we always talk about this end-time revival, right? Have you, have you heard that? This last end-time revival, right? Oh, nobody's heard this? Oh, some have, but I mean, some of you churchgoers, y'all have heard that, right? There would be this great harvest at the end, right? Okay. Typically, when we think of harvest, you know, you're thinking of the lost, right? Okay. And then you're talking about revival, you're thinking about what? The word revival literally means alive again, which tells us then, if we're looking for a great revival, we're not actually asking the lost to come alive. We're asking the church to come alive. Do you know how many people would be at Acre Faith Church right now if all those that went through the charismatic renewal in St. Augustine, when the Spirit of God came through and all of a sudden they got filled with the Holy Ghost and over here at a particular church uh, uh, went from 200 to 1,000 and people were packed in and prostitutes were getting born again and all these people were being changed and they were running out of the denominated church and the power of God was falling. Yet, many of them are sitting at their house today. If they, if they alone would just show up, we wouldn't have room enough for them and we ain't even got to a lost person yet. I mean, seriously, how many people you know that are born again that don't attend church regularly? If you knew them, they would show up. How packed would we be right now? We ain't even touched the lost. So this time's coming that these casual Christianity people, you know, where, you know, we've been playing around with the world and just satisfied that, you know, well, when I die, I go to heaven and, you know, I'm just kind of living life and surely God sees this, right? That all of a sudden these events are going to go. They're going to be like, my gosh. The world's gone crazy. What are we going to do? And they're going to start gravitating back towards God that his spirit will say, come on, get back alive and let's do something significant. They're going to be like, my gosh, I can't even begin to, to, to court that stuff anymore. So since we're living in the closing days of this age, we are a generation who will, who will have an earful of these events. Therefore, it's imperative that we grab hold of the peace of God and not allow apprehension, fear, or worry to control our minds. Y'all okay? Can I do a few more? Uh, since we're living in the time of the, last, of the last days, it behooves us to know exactly what the Bible promised regarding healing. This is our moment as the church to rise up with authority to pray for the sick with confidence. See, it sounds good. We need to socially distance. Yet the Bible says in the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Right? And what will we do when we go and preach the gospel? Right? We'll cast out devils. We'll speak in new tongues. We are to what? Lay hands on the sick, and they will, shall recover. So the government tells us to don't touch nobody. Now, can you get healed without being touched? Yes. But do you think God says, there's going to come a time that I have to take off the laying on of hands completely? But what are churches doing? 
High five. Yet they come in feeling a certain way, and it's like, man, let me touch you. Let me lay hands on you, man. Oh, I'm sick. Have you seen someone do that? Wait a minute. I'm sick. Oh, good. Let me get to you. <laughs> I mean, if you believe God in his word. I mean, how, Bob, can it get on me if I am transferring the anointing of healing power by his stripes ye were healed? It says those who believe will lay hands on the sick. So seriously, a new virus is going to intimidate you? Oh, that's, I don't know. I think you're taking it too far. That's because I believe absolute. Oh, so you're telling me you never get sick. I'm telling you when a symptom gets on me, it can't stay. That's what I'm saying. It can try. It has tried. But I go straight to the source. I go to the great physician, Jehovah Rapha. So don't be mad at me or anyone else that's in the kingdom of God as a citizen that realizes we have a health care system. And it cures us of all of our diseases. And I just go and say, thank you for the blood. And he says, oh, no problem. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. The guy with leprosy, incurable disease, comes up to Jesus. Whoa, hey, bro. Nah. Don't you know you're supposed to be saying unclean, unclean right now? And you're going to come up all in here and talk to me? Don't you know the law says that that disease that you have right now, you're supposed to be crying out unclean? My gosh, woman, don't you know that this blood that you've been having for the last 12 years, you're supposed to be crying out unclean and you've snuck up in here and you touched me? And you know what the law says. If you touch somebody unclean, then you unclean the rest of the day. Jesus never took his clothes off, took a bath after he laid hands on the sick. Never did. Why? Because the minute he touched them, healing touched healing. That means that was whole the minute he touched, and then it spread over their whole body. So he never touched anything unclean. Now, what do we do again? Oh, I just can't believe that, Pastor, and that's your problem. Because you can't. But I can. Because I believe God in his word. Because God's not a man that he should lie. He healed all. All. Look how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Not some. The only sums he couldn't are the ones that didn't believe and got offended with him. Well, now, ain't you the carpenter's boy? You ain't touching me. You ain't better than I am. Oh, you're a pastor of Anchor Bay Church? You ain't touching me. That's why you don't get it. I believe. Okay, let's go on. It says, um... The church has to rise up in the authority to pray for the sick with confidence, backed by the healing promises from the Bible. Jesus clearly prophesied that at the end of the age, the world would be battered by demonic powers that uh, long to ravage, ruin, and devastate people's health and lives. Because we have the promise of God uh, and the power of the Spirit, we are equipped to answer his call to bring healing to the sick uh, at the end of this age. Yeah, I know. 
uh, as advanced as, med, as the me, field of med, health science has become, it is not ready to deal with the massive effect of multiple newly emerging diseases. So are we going to shut down the country every time now? It's a problem. You're like, oh, well, we need, we're here to save people's lives. Ain't nobody getting saved outside the blood of Jesus. We're prolonging their breathing. And yet now you're limiting the church's travel. I can't even get over into other countries right now. So I had to tell the staff, we're going. We're going. We'll figure this thing out. We're going to get past the closing of this mall. We're going to get that thing moving. And then at that point, if they're still going to do this nonsense of two weeks, this, that, then we're going to learn how to do six-week trips. Because we have a commission to go into all the world. Okay. It is imperative that we develop an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit and learn to lean upon him in every situation we face when persecution uh, and prosecution come to the church at the close of the age, the Holy Spirit will be as faithful as he was to the saints who faced persecution at the inception of the church. He will be the same faithful Holy Spirit who is right now strengthening and empowering Christians who are suffering all over the world. We must make our fellowship with him a priority so that we can know his voice, heed it, and be used as instruments he can speak through in times when his voice is so needed. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Let me skip down a little bit because we're running out of time. Um, there are people who have tolerated sin and sinful thoughts so long that they've lost the ability to feel conviction in that area of their lives. Yeah. This is why it is vital that all preaching and teaching is word-based and precise, anointed and straightforward. Only that kind of preaching and teaching has the power to take uh, to shake people from slumber and keep them tender of heart yet strong in spirit. The Apostle Paul said that the Holy Spirit inspired preaching uh, should do three things, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Therefore, if all the congregation hears his exhortation, which can rightly include motivational-based messages, it's, it means two-thirds of what preaching is supposed to do is completely left out. Okay. Unfortunately, often when a minister skillfully and compassionately rebu reproves and rebukes in obedience to God's charge on his life, he is vilified as being critical and negative. In some cases, the minister themselves are bullied and abused by congregations for fulfilling this commandment of God to preach the word, reprove, rebuking, and exhorting with all long-suffering and doctrine. Oh, I hear crickets. I mean, seriously, I thought I heard a cricket. <laughs> you're so good. You're going to make it. You're God's best. He's, uh, you're so awesome. It's all good. Mm -hmm. They're good. Great messages. It's all right. God still loves you. Not going to turn his back on you. He'll never leave you or forsake you, and you're so sinful. Your life's a wreck. And that pastor's not willing to say, you're going to have to get out of your carnality.
See, snowflakes showed up long before the term happened on Fox. It happened in the church. The reason why the world's so offended because the church is offended. I just did. Hallelujah. Amen. Just see that the problem is, is you, if sin would pay out immediately, less would do it. The wage of sin is, you know, you lie to your mom, bam, you're dead. I mean, the church changed, got, got like tight in the new Testament, new covenant church. When Ananias and Sapphira lied to Peter. Yeah, we sold it for that price. You lied to the Holy Ghost. And they're like, the whole church went. Don't you ever lie about tithing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hallelujah. To maintain our fire for Jesus in these last days, we must choose to withdraw from ungodly Influences that numb us to the consequences of sin. Last two, and then I'll give you a couple of scriptures and we'll go. And our youth pastor and, and children's pastor will thank me for allowing them to be with the teens longer and the children longer tonight. But you need this word. Although the world is seeking deeper into fear and darkness, this is our best hour as children of God. Rather than succumb to fear, it's time for you to tell fear to leave you in the name of Jesus. Then along, then along the prophetic road, embrace the opportunities you encounter to bring deliverance and freedom to people gripped with the demonic stronghold by the news they hear each day. The Holy Spirit wants you, wants to help you navigate victoriously the last minutes and seconds of this age. I advise you to dig deep into the Scriptures, stick with the time-tested truths regardless of trends in society, and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you with the power you need to overcome every obstacle. You are called and anointed for this end-time season, so embrace that truth and charge forward in the power of the Spirit to shine the light of God's Word into an ever-darkening world. With that being said, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 to 13, it says, The Lord is not slow concerning His promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing any of you to perish, but that all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be uh, destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, verse 11 tells us, what sort of people ought to be, uh, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for, what are we looking for? New heavens, plural, and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Where will righteousness dwell? In new heavens and a new earth. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 20 tells us that when Jesus comes back, not when he catches the church away, but when he comes back, right, the second time puts his foot down, he'll take the devil, according to Revelation chapter 20, and he'll bind him. One angel, just one, will bind him in a chain, 
and throw him into the abyss or the bottomless pit, seal it, and he will be in it falling for a thousand years. The Bible says that Jesus will return with the saints, which means people on earth still from the tribulation period will still be here and will return with God and will set up his kingdom physically and will reign with him for a thousand years. So if you check out today, you're gone, right? You're out of here. You've left your body. You'll be present with the Lord. And while you're present with the Lord, you'll be waiting for a trumpet to blow in heaven, and the trumpet will blow, and all of a sudden the church will get called up, and we'll be like, woo! And we'll start going through the, um, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and all of a sudden he's going to say, hey, 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 it's reward time. You're like, I'm in heaven. That is reward. He said, oh, no, no, no. That was entrance. Reward's coming. Now, here's the reward. What did you do for me while you were in Christ on the earth? Because I've got some rewards to pass out, some crowns to pass out, and then an assignment for when we go back. Because what did Jesus say when they talked about the parable of the talents? One of them said this. After the man took five, got five more, had ten, he said this. He goes, you're faithful. I'll give you ten cities. Who's going to be the ones? Again, he's the king of? So kings are coming back with him to rule on this planet for a thousand years over humans that are in a fallen state. For a thousand years. So again, my dad's already there. My brother's already there. My grandma's already there. I got a few people already there, but we coming back. And their part to play is based upon how they lived here. Some are getting in by smoke. They're in, but there's no reward. They're going to get no assignment. They're going to be assigned to someone. And they'll have to continue to grow and develop. But after the thousand years is done, and there are humans in these types of suits, he'll release the devil again. So when you leave, you'll have to see him again. Now, good news is you'll be in a glorified body. He ain't going to be able to pull you off. Good news. But don't think you won't have another encounter. Because he is going to, on this planet, get a bunch of nations to come against Jesus who will physically be in the earth to come against him and rebel against him. And we'll go to war. And it won't last long. And then those inhabitants that never made Jesus Lord, the, they will, those that have died, you understand, they, he'll annihilate them. Their spirit man, along with the grave, will come up to heaven to the court, the highest court, and stand before the great white throne, which he'll open the book, the Lamb's Book of Life, and he'll not see their name, and he'll close it, and he'll pull up the other books. And all of their sin will be held against them. And he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And he'll cast them into the lake of fire, which is the second death, the prison system of the kingdom. Then after all that's done, he'll burn, this Bible says, the heavens and the earth 
and create a new heavens and a new earth. Let's what it says right here in Isaiah. Isaiah 66, 2. He says, just as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make to endure before me, declares the Lord, so your offspring and your name will endure. You know what? My name's going to go on forever. And I'm going to be on planet earth. Because when the new planet's made, Jerusalem will come down out of heaven to the earth. Now, that doesn't mean I won't go to heaven. You understand? We can translate, go all over the universe. God's not destroying all of his creation. He's getting it set right. Because it's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. Isaiah 65, 17, in case you didn't know there was going to be planet earth, he says this. This is third witness now. Let everything be confirmed by two or three witnesses. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. There's going to come. Listen. It's not until the new heaven, new earth that every tear is wiped away. Not before. I understand you've been taught that everybody in heaven's rejoicing right now. And I'm not saying that they're not excited. But some know the judgment seat's coming. And they know how they live for Jesus down here. And wood, hay, and stubble's going to manifest. And they ain't going to be like, it's okay. You think your life assignment right now is nothing? But as long as we don't think about end times, we don't even try to determine what God clearly is telling us we are to do and then live the way he clearly tells us we should, then in essence, all these things that God wants to give you eternally the devil's still stealing from you. He was there. He was created in glory. And he sure don't want you to have all that good stuff. He'll still reach into eternity to steal from you, even though you're not his child. Because we don't worry about the end times. I just ask Jesus to come to my heart and save me. I'll go to heaven one day. The judgment seat's going to be tough. Okay, Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Verse 27. And nothing unclean and no, more, no one who practiced abomination and lies shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written to the Lamb's book of life. Aren't you glad your name's written in the Lamb's book of life? The four witnesses let us know that planet Earth does not cease to exist and we'll still have a part to play for eternity here. And some people get really upset about that. But if God's here, and he will be, because the new Jerusalem will be here, why would we be upset? Because the Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And Father God, how we live right now matters. It is just as significant as calling on the name of Jesus. It's just as significant. And the devil has brought in doctrines of demons and seducing spirits to convince Christ's body that they don't have to do anything else. It's okay. And he's still stealing from them but not in this house. In this house, we want to live holy and righteous and passionate for God and fulfill his plan. And we want to know 
and be looking up that our redemption draweth not. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.